You know, as we're talking about uh, life and resurrected life, uh, we just uh, <clears throat> pause and think about you know what a miracle life really is. Uh, in fact, I want to uh, uh, announce a new miracle in our family, a miracle of life. Our daughter, Jennifer, and her husband <clears throat> had their second child Friday night, uh, born uh, Owen uh, Lucas Forstoff. And yesterday, yeah, yesterday uh, <clears throat> we had some uh, FaceTime with them in the hospital. And how wonderful to have the technology there of our daughter holding her new baby and uh, her husband uh, at her side. And she was uh, uh, telling us about, you know, all that happened uh, as uh, baby Owen came into the world. And uh, you think about what a miracle life is and how we don't understand it. And uh, as we live our lives, uh, God's goodness uh, is a mystery to us. And does it seem that the older we get, the less, the, the less we really understand and the more we just are grateful to God for doing all that's necessary to fulfill His greater purposes. <clears throat> Absolutely. I want us to focus this morning on this life and how He cultivates spiritual life in us. Turn with me to John chapter 15 and uh, studying this very familiar passage, I'm sure, to all of us. But uh, I was thinking, well... <clears throat> You know, as we look at this passage today and understand all he's doing to bring to fruition the life that he has begun in us, what kind of principles do we see here that are very practical in terms of how we can cooperate with the process? How many of you know that God is more committed to your spiritual maturity than you are? How many of you know that... Uh, <clears throat> His promise to finish the work that He's begun in us is more important than our promise to be good Christians. Do you understand the difference? I get tired. How about you? I get distracted. <laughs> I get worn out. But guess what? God never, never gets weary of what He's doing in each of our lives to fulfill His greater purpose. That's my comfort. That's my, that's my strength. When I have run out of strength, I know that He's continuing to work in me and through me. And so, uh, what do we call this this morning? Let me call it uh, seven things we need to understand about how He cultivates His life in us. You know what it is. It's about the vine and the branches. And it's a wonderful picture uh, of uh, how the master gardener cultivates life. But what it's really about, the spiritual meaning is what he's doing in each of us on a daily, continual basis to fulfill his plan to nurture us into the fullness of Christ. Aren't you grateful that God has a plan for your life? And that's what it's about. It's about spiritual fullness. You know, I see people get excited about the plan that they have for their lives. That's fine. But I'm much more excited about the plan God has for my life. Because I know that that has uh, eternity as its destiny. 
And I know that God will take me so much farther than my plans for myself if I can trust him and lean into him and continue day by day to experience his grace. I realize that uh, he really knows what he's doing. He really is the master gardener and cultivating the life that the Father has given us. And so, you know the passage, I'm sure. John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be, what? Even more fruitful. How many of you want to be even more fruitful? You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear what? much fruit apart from me you can do nothing if anyone does not remain in me he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers and such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned but if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you this is my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends, and if you do what I command, I am no, I am no longer calling you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. An encouraging word this morning about our spiritual growth. How many of you have struggled some with your spiritual growth? Haven't we all? I wish I could grow quicker as a Christian. I wish I could study God's word more. I wish I could pray more. I wish I could serve more. I wish I could just be a better Christian. It's important for us to realize that uh, being a disciple of Jesus Christ isn't about self-help it's not simply about working to do your best based on what god has said being a disciple is about following and obeying the lord and trusting him to do in our lives what we cannot do 
ourselves. Have you realized by now that uh, you really can't add to your spiritual life through your works? It's a frustrating but important experience to learn. You know, I went through a season in my life where I thought, you know, memorizing Scripture was the key. I'm just going to memorize all the verses that I could. Wore myself out. And I got some good Scriptures memorized, and it was helpful. But I realized that I could memorize the whole Bible. But what God wanted me to do was to, more than memorize the Word, to obey the Word and live out the truth that I knew. I went through a season where I thought, you know, praying, if I just pray enough, I'll grow as a Christian. And so, you know, went to all the prayer meetings I could and committed myself to, to times of prayer and realizing, you know, if, uh, <clears throat> if prayer or committed prayer was all that it took, I realized, you know, there are other religions that really practice prayer. There's got to be something more than just the prayer And I realized that prayer is nothing unless it is in a relationship, a vital relationship with Jesus Christ as we are in communion with the Father. How many of you know there's a difference between praying and being in communion with the Father? Now that's a subtle difference I don't want you to miss. But we can pray prayers without really being in communion with the Father. And what we're seeing here in this passage is Jesus is saying, you need to be one with the Father through me. And, you know, I've gone through periods where I thought witnessing to other people, you know, uh, self-sacrificing, service, all these things that we as Christians do. And eventually you just get worn out and you say, Lord, I cannot add anything to my spiritual stature. God, have mercy upon me. God, help me to become what you want me to be. And he says, that's what I've been waiting for. Trust me, lean into me. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. And we realize that the good work that he's begun in all of us, one of my favorite verses, Philippians 1.6, he that has begun a good work in you will what? Complete it. Fulfill it as we look forward to His return. That's our hope. That's an encouragement. If you're at all discouraged about your Christian life this morning, stop looking at yourself and look up at God and just be reminded of how much He loves you and how much He's committed to fulfilling His purpose in your life and let go of the struggle and just embrace Him and say, God, do with me whatever you will. Have your way with me. Help me. And so we see in this passage. Now, I want you to see seven important principles of how this cultivation works. The first principle, and I'm going to state each of these very clearly and practically. First one is we need to understand about the nature of the gardener and his garden. And guess what? It's all about him and his garden. It's not about adding God to our garden. As we as Christians think about, isn't this great that I can get God's help with this or with that? 
or that he can do this or that. He's saying no. He says, you're in my gardener, garden and I'm the gardener. Trust me. I have placed you in my garden in the right place and I'm going to cultivate you to fullness. Isn't that great to know that you're not asking God to come into your garden? You can stop working on your garden. And you can realize that you're in His garden for His great purpose. Now, there's a key verse to understanding this in verse 8. Did you notice it as we came through? This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's not so much about me, it's about Him. And as I let go of me and embrace Him and His greater purpose, I can grow to the fulfillment that He has planned for me. How many of you know that God can do more with you than you can do for yourself. And so we got to get past this struggle. And it really is a, a struggle with our flesh, a struggle with our pride to keep trying to improve ourselves. And just Can I say it this way? Just relax in the garden and trust the, the master gardener to continue the work that he has begun, that he is committed to finish. Absolutely. Because... You know, life is really a mystery. And we human beings, we don't even understand <clears throat> natural life, a physical life on this planet, much less spiritual life. How many of you enjoy uh, doing a little gardening? You like to uh, get out in the yard and uh, plant and cultivate. Well, I've learned over the years uh, to be careful the way I garden because, let's say, I can be a little too aggressive uh, in the way I handle uh, the plants uh, and the season that might be. I remember when we moved to Virginia and Ginger was uh, familiar with crepe myrtles. How many of you know what crepe myrtles are? Lovely, lovely uh, plants and flowers if you're patient with them. I didn't know the difference between a crepe myrtle and a forsythia. And so I get out in our, in our yard in our new house and uh, I'm seeing these dead sticks that are growing next to the forsythia. And I think, oh, well, those must be dead because the forsythia are already starting to bloom. I thought they were dead forsythia. And so these sticks sticking out of the ground, I just cut them all down. And Ginger came out a little later and she said, well, uh, where are the crepe myrtle? <laughs> and I had... I had removed all of them, not realizing that it wasn't the season for crepe myrtles to begin to blossom, mistaking them for the forsythia. And so that's one of many stories I could tell you about how I, oh, I messed up my garden. And it's a lack of knowledge. It's an over-aggressiveness. And so it goes. And uh, we need to realize that Jesus is the master gardener and He never makes mistakes. He never prunes the wrong branch. He always cultivates in the right way. And His purpose ultimately 
as he w- we would be disciples that would truly glorify him. Now, let me give you a key here. If it's really about him as the gardener and being in his garden, then we need to move from, hear this, from self-improvement to faithfulness when it comes to our relationship with him. Did you hear that? Very, very important. We've got to move from self-improvement to faithfulness, trusting the process that he's involved in, trusting that he knows best ultimately. Well, I better move along here if we're going to finish all seven this morning. Number two, number two, we need to understand, now here, this is a difficult part for a lot of Christians. As we see that there's quite a bit of pruning here, there's quite a bit of removal of unproductive uh, branches and plants. And that's frightening to Christians when we, th- we think about God in the pruning process. But we need to realize this. The master gardener precisely removes everything that interferes with his growth plan. And isn't that a comfort to know? And uh, what does the gardener remove? Whatever is diseased. Whatever is uh, out of balance. Whatever may limit the growth of that which is healthy and has the greater potential. And so we trust the master gardener to remove anything which interferes with his ultimate growth plan. Can I ask you something? Has God ever asked you to give up something that you really thought was okay in your life? Isn't that the case of Christians and as we struggle and we think, and has God ever asked you to give up something that seemed to be perfectly okay for somebody else to have or to do? Isn't that interesting? As he says, for you, this is the right thing. Don't look at your brother or your sister. Trust me. It's only a matter of time that we realize that God knew exactly what he was doing. We've got to stop judging our own lives and saying, okay, you know, this or that. And we need to trust Him to reveal and to remove those things which may not be healthy for us. Sometimes God may speak to us about a relationship which we think is okay, and He knows that it's potentially harmful. And what He asks us to do in that relationship may prevent something which will come if we don't really obey the Lord as he shows us. He may ask us to to not continue a certain activity or an interest. And so it goes as disciples as we realize if I'm going to follow him and go on with him, whatever he asks me to do, I'm I'm, I'm going to obey. I'm going to agree. And you realize that it's not about the thing. It's about you. What he ultimately wants is you, simply you. And to have you means that you need to let go of those entanglements that would uh, keep you. Number three, what a wonderful encouragement is to know this, that the master gardener, that as he cultivates his word, his word is his primary instrument in the cultivation process. 
Verse 3 says, You are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Do you realize that God's word has power to deliver us, to heal us, to establish us? And over and over again, it's through his word that he <clears throat> convicts us of sin and convinces of, us of righteousness. And we realize that uh, his word is profitable for correction. And uh, that's why it's important for us to spend time in God's word. To be sensitive and to be open and uh, ready to obey. And we realize what a blessing it is to have the word of God. And can I just be very direct and say, you know, sometimes we want to hear from God. We want a special word from the Lord. And the word is before us unopened. The first thing we should do is open our Bibles. And guess what? You look at the, your favorite verses in, all the, in the Bible that you've underlined. Guess what? All the other verses are just as important that you may not have discovered yet. The promises, the truth, the opportunity to learn and mature. And so we say, oh, Lord, thank you for your word. I don't know about you, but God has a, war God has a way of piercing my heart with his word, of separating the things that I think are right from the truth, of dealing with my, my affections in such a way that something that I may think is a leading and I find out it's just an emotional longing and there's something better, something greater that He wants to do in my heart. Have you discovered by now how God will separate your emotions from what He's doing spiritually? And realize you can't trust your emotions. And it's God's Word that has a way of cutting in between soul and spirit, as the Scripture says. Oh Lord, thank You. Thank You. And how so many times God will just deliver us in an instant as we have His Word. I was talking with someone just recently who said they had struggled with a, a pattern, a problem, an addiction, a whole, a, 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 a whole part of their life that was just uh, was unmanageable. And God gave them a Word and they were instantly delivered. And you think, oh my, this is, there's such power in God's Word to deliver us from those things which would interfere with His master plan. And as He does this in the cultivation process, we realize that uh, each time, each time He speaks into our lives, there is a, a, a ministry of, of perfection which is manifested, which makes us, can I just say it, more and more like Jesus. More and more. I don't want to be like my ideal self. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody's got this idea. Well, this is what I would really like to be if I could be. No, no. I want to be like Jesus. I want to give up on myself. And I want to be like Jesus. It's amazing when we do that, how much more we have to give. 
how much more loving we are, how much more life. And I can tell that our time is running out and I only got to number three. So I'm going to have to come back with number uh, four next week. But would you notice in verse 16, I want you to hear this, hear this, hear this, and hear the grace of God in this. Hear this. You're worried about yourself and how well you're doing as as a Christian. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. You hear, what I, you hear what it says? My confidence isn't in the fact that I chose Jesus and I'm becoming a good Christian, but somehow in the destiny of all that He's doing, He chose me and reached beyond my choices for His greater purpose. And I know that there's this dynamic of you know, God's will and our will, and we struggle with that. This is one of those verses that really assures us that God chose us for His greater purpose, and it was beyond our own understanding. And what for what? That we would bear fruit, and the kind of fruit that lasts for all eternity. Is that encouraging? It's really encouraging. Guess what? God has never made a mistake. And if He chose you, and He did, you can have confidence in God's choice. You may give up on yourself. Everyone you love and respect may give up on you. God's not going to give up on you. He's going to continue that you may know His love, that you may be transformed, that you may be that you may become more and more like His Son. And His purpose is for all of eternity. Praise the Lord. Lord, help us this morning to recognize Your grace in our lives. And Lord, (laughs) thank You. Thank You that we are in Your garden. And as the Master Gardener, You're not giving up on any one of us, O Lord. And Lord, what You require of us is that we trust in You, that we obey You as You reveal to us the changes that need to be made. And ultimately, that we know that Your good work will prevail. Thank You, Lord, for Your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's all stand and sing this song together. We're going to have a prayer, and I'm going to make a brief invitation, and then uh, we're going to be dismissed. There's a hymn in your uh, hymnal in front of you, 500 and, is it 540? 540, have thine own way, Lord. I want you to see the words to this song as we sing it. Have thine own way.
it's about uh, yielding to the Lord. And we realize how much He loves us and, and how much He's promised as we accept His greater purpose. We realize what a privilege it is to say yes to Him. Can I ask this morning, if you're here and you're not sure of your relationship with God, you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, you're not sure that you're saved, don't hesitate, don't linger. But please stay after church and come up and we want to talk with you and pray with you so that you can be sure. Let me also say, if you you feel somewhat stuck in your relationship with God and you're not growing and you want an opportunity for just a touch of God's grace in your life and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord this morning, we want to pray with you. And we want to help you in a new start and uh, just the change that would begin to help you to get into God's Word again and get back into fellowship with others and with the Lord. And so we want to pray with you. And then uh, we know there are needs in the body. Some of you need, may need healing or direction or a family situation, whatever it is. If you'd like prayer, please come. The altar is open for anyone who'd like to pray. Uh, you can have some private time with the Lord. Uh, if you want prayer, we, and let, let us know. We'll pray for you. But uh, let's just uh, not let this service end without allowing God to seal in our hearts what He wants to do. Lord, we thank You for this time together. And Lord, we know this is still a special moment, O oh God, as we conclude the service. And You want us to say yes. You want us to yield. You want us to obey. Help us, O oh God, to respond to You. And Lord, as we're dismissed this morning, we ask for Your blessing. And Lord, help us to take great comfort and assurance to know that what you're doing in our lives, oh God, really has a purpose and that you're sufficient, Lord. Your grace is sufficient to finish what you've begun. We thank you, oh God, for this life that you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you this morning. Continue, Sam. Thank mm-hmm. you.